What is up, everybody? Love you guys. Check this out. Welcome to another episode of the Bowman Legacies podcast, where we're brought to you by, of course, Bowman Legacies, making life better for the blue collar worker, one CEO at a time, whether it's LinkedIn and network coaching, uh, safety and organizational culture, leadership development, personal development, and life coaching, 401k and wealth management. Bowman Legacies is there for you with all your personal and organizational cultural needs. We're also brought to you by author Grizz Waller, who hopefully this summer will be launching his book that is finished called Selfish Acts of Righteous Men. It is a sci-fi Western thriller that will put you on your ear. It's very much a new uh, new age Louis L'Amour, I would say, and love that book. Folks, now that that is all out of the way, I really don't know how to introduce this uh, next guest. It's somebody that um, I have been on his podcast. Uh, it is somebody that I admire and appreciate and have watched grow in the industry in such confidence and humility at the same time. Without further ado, it is my honor and privilege to introduce to you the myth, the man, the legend, the one and only Aaron Witt. That was one hell of an introduction. Boom, thought, baby. <laughs> when they say myth, man, legend, I just say, no, just just a man, if that. I can't even grow facial hair yet, so I'm not, I don't even know if I'm that. You are very much that, man. I think the thing that equates to being a man is doing what you have to do consistently. Yeah. And knowing that there are days you are not going to accomplish that goal. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I just get up and give her hell every day and go to bed exhausted every night. It's been, uh, been a few years of that now, and it's feeling good. Yeah, I'm just like you. I put my my pants on one leg at a time, except I make gold records. Yep. Um, so, Aaron, you know, a lot of people know you, and maybe some of my listeners won't know you. Um, you know, we did physically meet uh, two years ago in San Jose about this. Well, no, I want to say it was the late fall of the year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, right there in the, in, in the blood and guts of it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I think right in the cut. October of 2018. Yeah. So it was about six weeks after I'd started the company and yeah, we were there in this enormous pit kind of hidden away in the hills and in, in Silicon Valley. Yeah. It's, you, if you live in Silicon Valley, you've, you've never seen this thing and yet it's right oh. there. They um, make sure you don't see it. It's yeah, yeah, that and that's the point. It's it's just it's some, one of the craziest places I've ever been, and and yeah, we we met because we were doing a, a video project there at the time. Yeah, and it was outstanding. But I had been following you since before that. As a matter of fact, when I was in GDI as a uh, a safety director and a driller there, one of the things I had, I think, one of the first projects or things that I saw that you had taken a drone and flying it, floating, flown it over a berm. I remember that. And I saw them like, what is this guy doing? And no one was doing anything like that in that moment. No one was showcasing anything in the mining or civil construction world to, to, and it was just so bizarre. It was like this freak thing. And so you, you decided to do more than that and start a business out of it. And so tell me, tell me about your business and, and just, if you could give the layman's terms of your business, what you do, just like that shotgun approach, what, what would that look like? Our business in a nutshell, primary business is BuildWit Media Group, 
we're, we're organizing into a few businesses right now. Bread and butter, build what media group, all the businesses we have are around making the dirt world a better place. So we have a lot of older folks in the blue collar world. We've chosen to not only focus on the blue collar world, but focus on what we call the dirt world, which is infrastructure, earth moving, mining. Um, we dabble in demolition, heavy equipment, anything related with heavy equipment. That's what we do. Uh, so you have a lot of older folks in these industries uh, that are retiring or about to retire. You don't have a whole lot of younger folks coming in at the bottom. Yeah. So there's an obvious problem. We need to find more people. We need to uh, change the way we do business from a people standpoint to attract those new people. And we don't really have a choice about this change because society depends on us to do everything from providing them water to power to roads to drive to work, drop their kids off at school. I mean, I've been talking about this a lot. Everyone's talking about hospitals and how essential they are right now. But what's a hospital without running water or power? Uh, not worth a whole lot. <laughs> and that's what we do. Drywall. And, and every, everything, it's, it's the built world. Everything around you is the built world, and that's what we do. Um, so we don't really have a choice to, to change. So the beginning of that, you know, I saw some of the problems. The beginning of that was to tell the story. You said no one was doing it. That's one of the problems. No one's educated people about mining or construction, how important it is. So it's just been cast aside or even worse, we've allowed other people to control the narrative. Yeah. And as a result, we're struggling to find people right now. So that's what our business is doing, making the dirt world a better place, changing the way we operate um, and showing the world what we do. And, and even if you're not interested in, in this world, at least just showing you, hey, you couldn't live without it. Um, so I'd like everyone to just have a little respect for it because we all depend on it at the end of the day. Right, no doubt. And I think one of the, the things that have, as I've watched you evolve is you're not just doing that for the dirt world, you're doing that for good organizations. Because a lot of times, I mean, I don't know about you, but I grew up blue collar. I watched my father just work himself to death, knee surgeries, back surgeries. And this is a guy who could rep 400 pounds. I mean, he was a savage, his literal savage his whole life. And, and I greatly admired him. But one of the things that he would always tell me is like, you got to just stay out of this industry, Mike, don't, don't come to this place, because they're going to use you up. And he was true, because of his experience. Mm -hmm. It was true because of his knowledge. I mean, he literally, I mean, he had a fist fight at work, you know, and, and he had to, you know, it was just that kind of macho industry that you had to be a badass to be able to survive and take until you're, you know, and my dad just turned 77 here in December. And he's, you know, the poor guy, man, he's beat up still stronger than I am at 77. But man, he's beat up, Aaron. And you don't just highlight the dirt world, you also go the extra mile to say, you know what, you may never have experienced this or decided or thought about the dirt world at all as an organ or, or as, a, as a lifestyle, or as a business you're going to go into, you highlight companies that are saying, hey, not only is this a good place to be, here are the good places to be. Yeah. And I learned that through our first year of business, we got our asses handed to us quite a few times over in that first year by companies that didn't quite get it. So I spent that first year trying to convince some of these old school, very large companies to get this new way of doing things. And then I realized, well, I'm just going to go find the companies that already get it and help them become even better. Yeah. Um, so that's become our standard is I want to become, we're, we're trying to create the future of the industry. So I only want to be working with the companies that I believe are the future of the industry. So we have these large old school companies that some, some of them are doing billions of dollars a year right now 
that I believe are going to go away one day because they're just not adapting. They're still um, subscribed to that old business model of just use and abuse people like you just described. That's still the majority of the industry, which is a bummer, but that's just how it is. And it can't keep continuing to be that way. So I don't want to work with those companies. I want to work with that next generation, that next generation that respects people, understands that they need to invest in people, um, is thinking about problems differently, implementing technology. And, and at the end of the day, they're all companies that I would work for. Um, I, I, I want to I be working with people that I would work for, that I admire, that I respect, that I trust. And I don't want to be looking over my shoulder uh, with everything, everybody I work with. And so we got screwed a few times early on. I said, you know what? I don't want to do business with people that are going to screw me anymore. I want to do business with people that I can trust, they can trust me, and we can go out and attack a problem together as partners in, in that problem in, in business. And that's why we call, I don't like the term customer client. I like the term partners because that's really what the relationship is. It's a really dynamic, deep relationship that we have with every company that we work with. Yeah. I think too, you know, when you, when you look for, so for me that somebody who has went in and, and helped the people in the culture of their own personal lives and counseling and stuff like that, I always would look at the people around them when I would work with the ad items to help kids either return or not return home to, to broken families. I would, you know, research the attitudes and the mindsets of people that live life or share life with them. And as I compute that into the business world, you can see how a lot of people that work with some of these other companies act. I mean, they're not online posting about how great they are. They're not, um, engaged in that whole lifestyle. And it, in, in to some degree, it can seem cultish, you know, it can seem that way, but it isn't, you know, when, when you're doing the things that you're doing, you're literally not just saying, Hey, this is a cool guy. You know, they've got a cool, you know, cool look, they've got great trucks. Now you're going deeper than that. You're going, how are you handling your, your people? How are you doing things different? What's your theories? What's your mindset in the industry? And I think that's so encouraging. But at the same time, Aaron, like you said, it's not the template. And there's a lot of people out there that are kind of poo-pooing on the movement. You know, they're like, hey, we just need to work. We need to work hard. And we need, uh, you know, and so how do you keep with the vision? How do you keep and not get drowned out by the naysayers? How do you continue to go on? And then how do you feed that to your people, both partners and employees? The, I don't know. The, the, the funny thing is like, I don't really hear any of that. Yeah. I don't hear much of that. Um, and I've thought about it a lot. Like, yeah, you get some negative comments here or there, but frankly, I'm, I'm, um, I was just thinking about the other day. I'm a little, I'm a little tickled that people take the time out of their day to talk shit about me. Um, <laughs> it's like, yeah, like oh, you, you actually took time. Yeah. You have a wife and kids at home and you're taking time out of your day to talk shit about some 25 year old kid. Um, uh, we just, we just, again, we, we work with the companies that are really aligned with what we're trying to do. Yeah. So we don't have that resistance with the companies that we work with. So yeah. we've designed, we, you know, it, it, I think it was Yvonne Chouinard who, who founded Patagonia. He said, if you don't like the game you're playing, go make up a new game. And if you make up a new game, you get to make up the rules. And in theory, if you're smart, you're going to make rules that create a winning situation for you a majority of the time. Yeah. So that's what we've done is we've picked these companies 
to create a winning situation for us that already have great people that want to work with us, that want to tell the story, that, that aren't going to be questioning us every, every step of the way. Right. Um, so we don't really have any resistance. Uh, we don't have too much resistance with, with uh, the companies that we work with. And, and we still have some of those older people within these organizations that don't necessarily buy into what we're doing. But over time, they do because we approach it in such a genuine sense that's very respectful to them. I used to be a lot more brash about our approach. And it, again, that first year, I was that, that young and hungry kid that bull in the China shop that wanted to just, you know, hey, you, you old farts, we got to go in this direction. So either get on or get the hell out of here. And that's not the right approach either. They're the ones that built the damn place in the first place. Yeah. So you can tell them to go screw themselves. You need to bring them along in the process as well. So that's what we try to do. And we try to be really respectful to people that even don't believe in us. Like I know, um, for example, at, at, at one of the companies that we worked with, we, their, their founder wasn't really on our team to begin with. Mm-hmm. And that was fine. Now, a year and a half later after working with them, showing them what we've been able to do, we created a video that he said brought him to tears and he had never experienced that level of emotion before about his company. Now he's on our team. And, and because we went at it in the right approach, we weren't that bull in the China shop anymore. We were more respectful and thoughtful and, and just spent time creating that trust and that relationship. I don't expect some of these guys, they're not going to trust me on day one. I just had a a lunch with one of the owners of the companies that we work with a few weeks ago, it was way more in depth than ever before because we'd been working with them for a year and a half. And I've proven to this guy that, Hey, we're not here to screw you. We're, you can trust us. So, so now we have that trust and now it's just a much more dynamic relationship, but it took me a year and a half just to have that conversation. So it's really come down to patience at the end of the day with, with people that aren't necessarily on our team to begin with. Right. And I think, too, is, you know, you talk about the working shortage that we have in America today. I think one of the things that's very intense about that is, you know, you're proving to your clients that, hey, you know, we can do this. We can highlight you in such a way that's going to draw the not just people, not just bodies, but the right bodies, because so many companies think that they just organizational culture has become this big mystery or this big buzzword. And it means, you know, if you've got a beer tap in the office, then man, you're culturally sound. Woo woo. You know what I mean? And that's, yeah, not, it's not true. Well, and I, 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 I rag on company Christmas parties in construction or mining. They think having a Christmas party once a year is culture. And I'm oh, like, yeah, that's it. I think you're a little mistaken on that one because yeah. who, who gives a shit? Like no yeah. one cares and everyone does it. So, wow, you're the same as everybody else. Like, great. Have a, have a Christmas party, celebrate your people at the end of the year. But that's not what my generation wants. Uh, Not even a paycheck is what my generation wants. A a paycheck. Great. I need to check the box. I need to provide for myself, but I want to know why I'm there. I want to know why I'm spending my time here. I want to know what that higher purpose is. What, Mm. what the, what the, the, what all my effort is really contributing to, to make the world better other than just earning myself a paycheck and working with good people. So that's what we're trying to beat into this industry is, hey, there's a beautiful higher purpose. Let's focus on that because we haven't traditionally focused on that. And it's been a shame and, and there's consequences as, as a result. Yeah, I have a, a company that ranges uh, that I work with on and off uh, for different projects that ranges from, gosh, you know, pretty much covers the whole East Coast. And uh, I love this company. 
And um, it's crazy when you start to talk to them. I talked to the president of the company the other day and I said, yeah, I told my wife that I hate you now. And he said, he goes, what? I said, yeah, I hate you. Cause if I'd have met you when I was 18 years old, there would have been no stopping me. I, I, you know, I would be the vice president of operations right now for your organization. And uh, he laughed. He said, well, why is that? And I said, man, every person that I talk to, literally when you cut them open, they bleed your organization. And he didn't do that with a Christmas party, Aaron. <laughs> he, no. One of their people told me the other day, he said, you know, I quit this company early in my life. And he said, I regretted it ever since. And he said, I've been trying to get back in. And now that I'm finally back in, he said, I don't feel like I'm being used up all the time. He goes, now, don't, he says, I work hard. He's like, I mean, we get those 60, 70, 80, sometimes 90 hour weeks. I mean, and I'm away from my family, but I don't feel as though what I'm doing is just a cog in the works and I'm used up. And once I'm gone, someone else is just going to run over me. I feel like I'm part of something big a greater purpose. And he said, even though our company is spread out, he says, man, I feel like we're part of a family. And, and, you know, I had a business leader one time, it's just Ivy league education. He told me, you know, business and family don't mix. You can never have family and business. And I said, that's the biggest load of horseshit I have ever heard in my life. Yeah, I agree. Cause yeah. my family, my daughters, I hold them accountable. Yeah. I love them. There's those snuggy times and everything else, but also there's homework, there's life, there's things that be, there's new jobs for my oldest one. I teach them hand to hand combat because I'm not raising little sheep. I'm raising young lions to go out into a very harsh world, but I hold them accountable at the same time as having a lot of genuine love and, and passion for their lives. And we can bring that into business with discipline and with accountability and it works. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a flawed line of logic, I believe, especially going forward to think that there's a separation between work and personal life. I, yeah. I, that's an excuse people use to kind of screw people in business. I've seen is they just say it's just business. It's like, no, 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 this is all just, this is all life. And, and I have, at least I have a same, the same set of values personally that I do in business. A lot of people don't have that. They have a business set of values and they have a personal set of values. So they'll be holier than thou in their personal life, but they'll have no problem screwing people over here in business because oh. they think it's separate. And it's like, that's not really how it works. No. If I say I live by this values in business, I sure as hell better be living by them, you know, on the weekend when I'm, and I tell the team, like our values, we hire and fire based on them. I'm really serious about them. I talk about them all the damn time. Yeah. They start with me and they start with me by myself. So if I'm not living by the values I've set out for other people, when I, when no one's looking by myself on a Saturday morning, Saturday night, whatever it may be, then why the hell should anyone at our organization live by them? Um, when, when they're working, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me. I like being consistent across the board because that's what values are that they should be your consistent operating system. You don't get to pick and choose when you abide by certain rules, uh, it's like, it's like the Bible. Like you can't pick and choose 10 commandments. Like, Nope, it's just, this is just what it is. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Like here are that the damn rules. doesn't work for me, huh? <laughs> yeah. Or the law. It's like, well, you know, this law doesn't really serve me right now, but over there it does serve me. It's you, no, it's just, right. it just, this is this, this is, these are the rules and this is how you have to live no matter where you are. It's, it's no different with, with values at a company or your personal life, I believe. 
maybe I'm totally wrong. Yeah. You're, Who knows? But you're right. it's called integrity. It's called honor. And if you don't live that way, you just don't have it. And mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of people touted online, you have great followings, and, and I appreciate all that. Then after you get to know them, you realize you're like, you know what? You're a car salesman, you're a liar, and it's going to come out in your organization. I was but talking- if you have to, like, like morale, for example, I, I just, I've been talking about this a lot. There's a general, I think might have been MacArthur. If you have to talk about how good your morale is, it's probably not that good, is, oh, yeah. is how he described it. So if yeah. you have to talk about how good of a person you are or how much of a Christian you are or whatever it may be, it's, there's probably some, some fundamental issues there behind the scenes. Like you shouldn't have to be justifying who yeah. you are. You should just live it and people should know that. So, you know, you being leader and, and that's what you are. I mean, there's no way around that. You're, you're a leader. You're a leader both at work, your own personal life and in the industry and you're standing out in front of people, you're willing to sit there and say, hey, this is how it is. You're living it out. I saw a beautiful post by one of your guys about Christmas break. How do you, and how are you holding yourself to that accountability? And how are you being transparent with your staff so they get that culture? Um, a lot of it just comes down to discipline. Just having a zero tolerance for any other way. And, and I've really focused intentionally, especially this last year on discipline, on doing things when you don't want to do them. Yeah. Like it just comes from, I, like I worked out every single day of last year, 365 days outside, snowing, raining, whatever the hell it was, I was out there running. And most of those days I did not want to be running, yeah. but I told myself, <laughs> It's just how it is. And you get up and you do it regardless of if you want to do it or not. Who cares if you want to do it or not? You know, you, you, oh, you want to snuggle in bed a little bit longer? And it's, you know, straight from Jocko. He's like, yeah, it's, oh. it's super comfy and warm. And ooh, you want to stay in bed? It's like, no, no, no. You got to get up and do it. So I think that discipline has helped bleed into all other sorts of parts of my life. And I've just become a lot more disciplined in, in how I act and, what I let myself do day to day and how I standards I hold myself to. So I think discipline's been a big piece of that. And um, with our people, it's really just about having honest conversations with everybody, being transparent with everybody, constantly reinforcing our values, constantly recognizing when people live up to our values at a higher standard than normal and really calling out really positive things. It's not about, you know, like, it's like, you know, when you're training a dog, beating them is a lot less effective than rewarding good behavior. <laughs> it's, I heard it's that just same term this morning before I talked to you. I, that same exact analogy. I, and I'm not saying this is, this is like training a dog, but it's, it's wow. just a good analogy. I think people are, they go far, they go a lot further when you love them, care for them reward good behavior, really, really call out good behavior when it's deserved, when they're just doing their job. I'm not going to say, you know, great job. You're doing, you know, the bare minimum. It's about, wow, you really went above and beyond. And then publicly saying, yeah, this person went above and beyond. I'm, I'm really, I'm really proud of them for that. Rather than the, you know, rule of fear mentality, which is a lot of companies still subscribe to that. And, you know, like Machiavelli, it's, it's been historically, you want to rule with fear. That's, it's way better to be fear that feared than loved. I disagree. I think it's better to be 
loved than feared. That's not saying I go too far on the love side. If I do need to be frank with somebody, absolutely. But that's love. Having those hard conversations is a form of love. That's not a form of, of being harsh or instilling fear in people. I think fear is a very poor, poor motivator. So it, I just try to clear, talk about it. It gives you clear and concise parameters for you to, to, to live on, whether it's somebody you're sharing life with. Now, obviously, when you're sharing life with somebody, you've got to be a lot more there's a different, there's a different level on the personal side, right? You know, and, and work, there's a lot more uh, uh, forwardness about it, because you have an objective, you have a, a goal that is always ever present. But at the same time, most organizations anymore, the template came from Ivy League education was like, you don't tell people that there's a problem. Mm-hmm. You don't tell them, you tell them constantly that they're doing well, even if it's cheers and beers, you take them out cheers and beers and you tell them how great a job that you're doing. And then you do not let them know that you're about to fire them and you have their replacement two days later. They have to, this has to come out of left field to them. But what that's done is it's bred and and it's come from the top down, bred an awful uh, amount of hatred for the workplace. And for, you know, a lot of people see no matter where they work as this place of enmity, right? Yeah. And as an aggressor, instead of something that they need to be serving or on the other side, they're so afraid because shit, like, I don't know when I'm going to lose my job. And, and, And that's so against human nature. Humans like to be safe. They like to have consistency. They like to have that security. Um, and if you don't provide that, it's terrible for these people mentally. So I, I, well, and again, this is all how I do it there. And there, and the cool thing about business is there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's awesome. You can do it however the hell you want to do it. But um, the other thing is I, I try to be, I try to show people that I'm very, very, very flawed. I don't know everything. I am just as, if not more screwed up than anyone else at the organization. I make mistakes all the time. I, you know, I have to ask people for grace constantly. Like I, I am extremely flawed as well. So while I do try to uphold these values, no matter what, and do everything I can as honorably as I can, I still fall short sometimes. And that's okay as well. It's okay to screw up. And I don't want to be that leader that's, you know, Mr. Perfect at the top. And everyone has to aspire to also be Mr. Perfect. Like that's, that's just not, that's not how people work. It's it's so irrational. Um, (laughs) So I want, yeah, I, I want our company to, it's, it's okay to screw up here. You don't have to be perfect all the time. No. And I think that's really imperative that you're transparent in that way. And good leaders typically are. And like I said, I think there's just this life balance. You know, people tout, like, you know, I might work for you and say, well, Wit has a great culture, but I went over to Bowman Legacies, they have a poor culture, right? And I could say that, but fact is to someone in that organization, it was a good culture. So I think that organizations need to map out what it is. What is their culture? Because when you just say we've got a great culture, well, what does that mean? What is your culture? And then I get to decide what a good culture is, or I get to decide if your leadership is what I adhere to. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about what you do too. It's like, you're not saying that other companies have a bad culture. You're just saying, hey, these are the ones that I adhere to and decide to work with. And this is the template that I decide to use within my own organization. And there's no right or wrong because to other people, if it's wolves on Wall Street, then they might love that. Well, and there's some construction companies out, out there that I really respect that I would never work with because it's just, we just have fundamental 
differences with how we view things, our, our set of values. And they, it's, they're, they're super successful. So who the hell am I to tell them they're doing it wrong? Yeah. I just, you know, again, I just want to work with those people that I align with and that we align with as a business and just run in that direction. So I used to be negative and salty about it. Now I'm like, hey, you know, if our sales process, I mean, Dan and I, our sales gives sales process gives me zero anxiety. And I'm I'm never worried about selling anybody. Because it's like we just say, if this works out, awesome. If it doesn't, no big deal. Like we don't yeah. We're so neutral about it. Like we're excited about a new potential, but also we don't we don't need any deal to happen just for the sake of of money or whatever it is. So it's it's allowed us to really attract those great companies. And it's, you know, it's a self fulfilling prophecy, you know, the more you put, put out there about the companies you work with and the more you adhere to these values, the more of those companies you attract at the end of the day. So a lot of the companies reaching out are already those other great companies. We've been able to attract them as well, which is pretty cool. That's very cool. You know, believe it or not, we've already went 30 minutes. I always try to keep these um, podcasts in my first you know, stages of podcasting pretty low, but this has went so extremely well. Um, but one of the things that I love to do is try to encourage people when you guys listen and Aaron, one of the things that I'm impressed by you is that you just keep going. And what are the things that you're doing to, because you can't just keep going the pace you are and not feed you. What are the things that you are, what is those plans? I know you said, you know, get up anyway and stuff like that, but there's some obviously strategic things that you're doing is saying, Hey, I've got to fill me because I'm constantly pouring out. So I can do more and so I can grow more. So what, what are you doing to feed you? Um, one, I guess I just try to control what I get involved in the first place now. Like I'm more consciously not getting involved things today than ever before. Mm-hmm. Um, even though there's stuff I could hop in and probably fix pretty quickly, I'm letting other people handle stuff. And, and I'm really trying to step away from the day-to-day of the business right now to allow others to figure things out for themselves, grow, learn. Maybe they have to go screw things up that we've screwed up in the past so they can learn themselves. It's, I'm learning how to step away. Yeah. Um, that's one, two, like I said, physical, taking care of myself physically has been an enormous asset. Um, I've been really, really, really thoughtful about how I treat my body and what did I put in my body? That's, that's been an enormous part of this because I could not travel the way I do if I wasn't physically fit. Anyone that's traveled consistently knows that it's extremely taxing. Yeah. And, it wrecked uh, me. Yeah, it's 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 pretty gnarly. So if I'm not if I'm not physically capable, then then I'm having a bad time. Um I'm in consistent therapy, which has been awesome. I've yep. been doing it for the past few months. Um I did it for the first time about two years ago. It was one of the coolest things ever. Um, stopped for a little bit and now I'm doing it consistently again. I, when I started with my therapist, she was like, so, you know, what's going on? I'm like, honestly, everything's pretty good. I just want to keep getting better, exploring myself and, and understanding who I am and, and how I operate and what are the issues that I have. And, and I try to be really open and honest about that with, with everyone. So that's been one of those huge factors too, is really investing in me, investing in my physical health and my mental health. And I had a conversation with someone the other day, like we shouldn't even need to differentiate the two between physical and mental. Like it's all just health and well-being. Yeah. 
So um, I really try to, to, to invest in my mind and, and make sure that I'm where I need to be. And I've learned how to process emotions a lot better than I ever have been, which is, is it's really exciting. I think that's beautiful. I think so often we forget that we need to take care of us because we're always taking care of the needs of others. Leaders just naturally lead. And especially as you grow as a leader and want to grow as a leader, then all of a sudden, sometimes like I know for myself, I'd hit these brick walls and then I would just have to disappear, go hunting for two weeks, you know, and just, just defrag, no, don't touch the phone, don't do anything and just be in the woods and not even harvest anything while I'm out there, just veg, you know, and, and take time to meditate and to pray and all this stuff. And then I realized, I'm like, dude, you're never taking care of you. And then once I hit that real brick wall of the physical problems and the health issues that I have man, it just forced me. It forced me. So, you know, those 90 hour weeks are done for me for, for a while until I can get things back on, back on pace with my, my physical body. And, um, you know, my doctors, some of them said that probably will never happen. And I'm telling you, that's going to happen. You know, I'm mm -hmm. determined. And, yeah. um, for you to say that is a big deal. And we can't forget that we've got to take care of our mental health. Those of you that are uh, listening today that are people of faith, man, pray, pray regularly. And those of you that aren't, man, meditate, get out there, meditate, take some downtime, stay off that phone. I love what Ed Milet says, man, half an hour after you get up, that half an hour window, don't touch your phone, don't look at it. Half an hour before you get up, don't, I, I subscribe a little bit heavier than that. I tell my clients an hour, then you wait an hour. And if you're not waking up in time for you to do that, then wake up earlier and go to bed earlier, you know, and start to plan your life because this is your life. No one can live your life, but you, and now's the time to start to live it and grab control of it. And you've done that at such a young age. Aaron, I just, I love you so much. I think you're such a great example, but I also believe, man, there's so much more that you're going to give to this world. And I think that um, you're a shining light and example of that balance. And, you know, you'll roll your eyes at that because of who you are, but I think it's true. And um, I really am asking any of you guys to follow Aaron. So Aaron, if we're going to listen to your podcast, we're going to follow you and follow what you're doing. How do my people know how to find you? Well, one, I appreciate the, the kind words. And I, just one more tangent. There is balance there, but also there's total imbalance. And, and, and I'm okay with that because the starting the business is the most selfless, selfish thing I've ever done is how I just kind of figured it out the other day. It's totally selfless with, within the organization. I give everything to the organization yeah, before yeah. I ever ask for anything in return. But to outside the organization, it's extremely selfish because I'm very unavailable right now. And, and I'm given everything I have to the organization. So I can't give outside of the organization much. But I'm also okay with that because I'm 25 and I have the ability to do so. Yep. And, and I've been told to do it now. So there's a cost. It's not like I'm living this beautiful, <laughs> totally perfect, balanced life because I'm not. I still work seven days a week. It's all I do. But yeah, I'm okay yeah. with that because I love what I do. I love pushing. And I'm in that part of my life where it's like, that's what I want to do. So I just wanted to say that. But the podcast is Dirt Talk. Yeah, um, podcast. We've, we've had it for about a year now. It's gone. It's gone really well. We're had a meeting last night to really ramp it up Good. we're gonna really double down on that which i'm excited about and then build with on instagram b-u-i-l-d-w-i-t-t -T, and aaron Witt on linkedin awesome 
Thank you so much, man. I, I hope this isn't the last time we have you on the show. I want to have you back pretty regular just because, man, you're doing great things and, and, and you, you have a very balanced view of life. And I think we could have talked about so much more today. But what I really wanted to talk about was you, showcase you, let my audience know who you are and what you're about. You and I have talked about, I mean, work integrity alone was, I mean, you and I have focused a lot of our time talking about that. And I think these are great things that we can talk about, especially moving forward in life and choosing to draw the line. But um, everyone, thank you again for listening to the Bowman Legacies podcast. Like I said, we're brought to you by Bowman Legacies, making life better for the blue collar worker, one CEO at a time. And Grizz Waller with his new book, hopefully coming out in the summer of 2021, Selfish Acts of Righteous Men. So be looking for that on Amazon. And as always, guys, keep building that legacy that will far surpass your legend.